Hi. Welcome to Nocturna, a horror podcast. Today, you're invited to the edge of reality to witness the horrible things that lie beyond its horizon. We'll explore a captivating tapestry of dread and cosmic terror, where the intensity of our descriptions may elicit a range of emotions, from spine-tingling thrill to disquieting unease. As we delve into the depths of these stories, we invite listeners to embrace the full spectrum of sensation that may be evoked, understanding that the chilling nature of our content may both exhilarate and unsettle, depending on individual preferences. As you embark on this immersive journey with Nocturna, prepare to surrender to the captivating tales that both stir the depths of your imagination and awaken the dormant fears within you. Episode 3, Kaleidoscope. The story you're about to hear is a work of fiction. Probably. I always hated traveling with my family growing up. Both of my parents were compulsive browsers, so every trip we ever took involved hours and hours of lingering in crowded shops, despite having little to no intention of buying anything. My childhood was spent lost among a maze of shelves that held an assemblage of Visit Cape Cod mugs or Minneapolis keychains that always had my name misspelled by a single letter. If I ever wanted to buy something, it had to be a souvenir to remind me of our trip. I could get a cool hat or a cozy sweatshirt at home, so if we were going to spend money at a destination, we were going to become a walking billboard for it. It's strange how our tastes change over time, though. When I was young, I couldn't stand the taste of coffee. Now I can hardly make it to the afternoon without a cup. As a kid, I hated browsing, but as an adult, it's become one of my favorite activities. I guess I just didn't understand how satisfying it could be. To a child, every experience feels fresh and new. There is a vibrancy to the world around you. Hours feel like days and days like weeks. Nearly every instant of adolescence is one of wonder, but the longer you spend on Earth, the more that wonder fades into normality. The bright spectrum of childhood dissolves into the grays and beiges of routine until you're in your mid-30s and you realize everything you own is an Earth tone. I choose to think we're not built for that dullness. Now, at an older age, I just enjoy the sensory experience of being in some tourist trap somewhere. The promise of exploring different textures and sounds is enough to keep me in even a small shop for an hour. I love the feeling of woods and metals, running my fingers across smooth surfaces or sharp angles. The sights and smells of the buildings themselves vary as much as their items might. East Coast used bookstores smell old and damp, while desert gift shops are dry and dusty. Beach boutiques holding sea glass jewelry are complementary to the murk of converted forest cabins selling maps and bug spray. Don't mistake me for favoring one over the other. In my mind, they're all equal and opposite. Just different shades of the same glorious color. If I find a shop I like, I've recently made a habit of purchasing an item or two just out of politeness, but that experience is really what I'm paying for. It was in a town north of London that I visited a shop that had been converted from an old church. The architecture was sharp and angular, looking like some mixture of Greek and Gothic. The sort of thing I suppose you'd be more likely to see in mainland Europe. The stone facade had such extensive chipping in certain areas that it had lost what I could only speculate were once intricate embellishments. It seemed like the damage exceeded what natural weathering would cause, 
leading me to conclude that it was the result of an abandoned or unsuccessful remodeling attempt. The only detail above the door that even half remained were the words, Bancroft Chapel. A nondescript sign that read antiques out front beckoned me in and out of the rain. I found myself in a large room bare of any distinguishing feature one might expect from a chapel. In fact, any sign that this had once been a church had been removed from the inside. Where I assumed a pulpit must have once stood, there was a wide desk that stretched the width of the room. The shop was lined with shelves of varying make and color, creating irregular rows and columns through which I began to browse. It had a little bit of everything. Old furniture and large leather-bound book sets seemed to appear in every corner. Somewhere by the western wall, there was a hanging collection of chandeliers that managed to grab what little light was available from the gray sky outside and scatter it in prismatic rays across the chapel. It was strange to me how bright they seemed, considering the cloud coverage. Every once in a while, the crystal fixtures would sway and give off a glassy clink that cut through the silence before throwing a vibrant blue or orange across whatever was in my hands. Seated behind the large desk was an older woman whose eyes were affixed to the chandeliers. Her small form sat huddled under a shawl crafted from a thin silver fabric that shimmered and danced with every glimmer of light that it captured. She hadn't greeted me as I came in, which was something that struck me as odd. Having visited my fair share of stores like that, I could tell you that it was typical for shopkeepers to be almost annoyingly welcoming. As I casually perused my way through a set of lamps in various states of disrepair, I came close to the checkout desk. It was at this moment that the clerk made eye contact with me for the first time and asked me to let her know if she could help me find anything. Her name tag, which read Agatha, had an iridescent glow to it that mimicked the streaks of colors that stretched across the ceiling. Like I said, the shop itself was full of all sorts of odds and ends. I'm sure it won't surprise you to hear that the line between antique and junk is often just age. After a half hour or so, I began looking for some single item to buy, as had become my custom. Nothing from the collection of poorly made glass vases or Victorian oil lamps was going to be my thanks for letting me shop here purchase. A selection of vintage hand mirrors caught my eye for a moment before I saw the price tags. I shuffled down a few more rows before my eyes settled on a small brass tube. It was a few seconds before I could recognize what was an eyepiece, and when I lifted it to my face, I smiled as I realized what I held in my hand. Childhood memories of wonder and intrigue immediately flooded back to me as I held the kaleidoscope. It bore no company name, but had what I assumed was a maker's mark made up of lines of varying thicknesses. It was quite heavy, and as I looked through it turning around the shop, millions of shapes and dancing colors moved up and down the cylinder. I took it to the counter and Agatha let out a toothy grin as she wrapped it up for me before thanking me for my patronage. Honestly, I forgot about it for a few months. I finished up my European trip and had taken a while to unpack. It wasn't until I had been back stateside for a few weeks that I took a moment to unwrap it and put it on my shelf with some other brass curiosities I had picked up somewhere or another. It sat there for weeks until one afternoon when a post-rain sunset painted the sky with vibrant pinks and oranges. I rushed inside to grab the kaleidoscope and brought it out into the light. As I scanned different areas of the sky, the kaleidoscope became a universe of color. I stayed outside with it until the evening set in. It was so simple, but I can't remember ever seeing anything that beautiful. I started carrying the kaleidoscope around sometimes after that. 
It fit well enough in a backpack or even in a pocket if I were really wanting to look through it that day. Anytime I was in an environment with strong color or bright light, I started to find myself instinctively reaching for wherever I had stored it. It would sit next to me on the couch as I watched television and I would become unable to resist the temptation to pick it up and see how the moving pictures would be bent and twisted by the mirrors. I know now that it should have struck me as odd that the kaleidoscope began to give off a glow entirely its own. One night before bed I was turning all the lights off in the house. Through total blackness I could see the faintest hint of red or magenta from where it stood on the shelf. I remember picking it up, but I don't remember walking over to it. Without hesitation, I grasped the cool brass and peered into its depths. Within a moment of lifting it to my face, I felt as if I were looking at something beyond the rainbow, my eyes trying to make sense of colors that shone like fragments of things I was not meant to see. Hues of reds and violets and something in between shimmered and turned themselves inside out within the illuminated world of color. I never wanted to pull away from the eyepiece, but I eventually did. I slept so well that night. At the time, nothing about this upset or confused me, and I began gazing into that spectral galaxy in the darkness for an hour or two before bed each night. In each of these moments, the colors seemed far richer and more intense than the last, and I had noticed a deep point within its simulated space that held two small white dots that became a constant fixture of its visual display. I took it out to the mailbox with me, to work, always pausing whenever I entered a room to view it as it was in my new world, with two white dots ever present. Soon enough, the kaleidoscope was with me even as I slept. I would run my fingertips along the smooth metal and trace the maker's mark with my nails until I slumbered and dreamt of color, my pillow lit up in its ethereal glow. For weeks I lived as if I had rediscovered sensation itself. The world was once again full of mystery and beauty and color. But to be so indulgent can be dangerous, and I should have known the risks of taking something so precious away from safety so often. It was a Sunday. The weather was cloudy but clearing, as it was the first day that I used my kaleidoscope. An errant branch on a sunset bike ride threw me from my seat. I landed on my backpack and heard a terrible crunch of metal and glass. My eyes went wide and my stomach dropped in anxiety as I scrambled to my feet and saw the rock I had landed on. As night fell, I raced home as quickly as my body could push me forward and stumbled through the front door, slamming it behind me. When I removed the kaleidoscope from my bag, I saw that the end cap opposite the eyepiece had fallen off and one of the mirrors inside had shattered into sharp shards of glass that cut my hands and showered onto the floor. The faint unearthly glow it usually possessed had disappeared. With my bleeding hands, I held it to my eye with a hope and longing I didn't know I was capable of. I peered through the kaleidoscope. With the end cap gone, my dark living room appeared more gray than usual as my eyes braced for the color that had become my sole purpose, my light. The color was gone. I stared through what remained of the kaleidoscope with despondency when I noticed that two familiar, infinitely small white dots appeared to be hanging in the room, glinting like stars. This time there was no mirror that they were reflected on. 
When I set the kaleidoscope down, they disappeared, and upon a second look through what remained of it, they returned. My despondency turned to dread at the realization that with as many hours as I had spent staring into my kaleidoscope, I never once considered the possibility that there may be something staring back. I taped both ends of the kaleidoscope shut and cleaned my bloody hands and glass cover floor. They picked up the trash the next day. Although I believe myself to be safer and more sane with that contraption gone, I must admit my life has achieved a level of gray I did not think was possible. Sunsets feel colorless and I no longer dream at all. In my weakest moments, I seek out information on the kaleidoscope or its maker, but my best efforts have illuminated nothing. Perhaps that's for the best. I'm not sure what light the next one might bring. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nocturna. If you enjoyed what you heard, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. You can keep up with the show on social media at Nocturna Podcast. You can also head to nocturnapodcast.com. And if you want to support even more, take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That feedback is one of the best ways to help the show grow. And most importantly, tell a friend. Just make sure they can handle it. Thanks again. Oh, and stay safe. You never know what's out there.